Hey, welcome to Home Church Podcast. It is a good day to have a good day. I'm Pastor Jerry Kuhn, and I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. My hope is that you will respond to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you in and through this message today. And I believe that he will draw you into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, where you are passionate about loving God, doing good, and being a friend. I hope that you enjoy the message today. as well and you may be seated this morning we want to say good morning home church we we look across the building and you look strong listen I know it's Memorial Day weekend and I know that there are tons of people that are out and about and uh, enjoying family and that is absolutely okay and uh, you will never hear me uh, gripe and complain when people have the opportunity to get away and uh, to rest and strengthen their souls and uh, and enjoy family that is what it's all about and so we are so thankful that God has provided for our families to be able to get away and to enjoy just a little bit of rest, and uh, and it is Memorial Day weekend, so a lot of people are out and about at the lake, and I pray that you pray uh, for their safety, absolutely, for their safety, that they make wise decisions and good decisions while they're out. Uh, but this morning, we want, to, we want to honor, if you know anything about me or if you know anything about our church, we honor. That is one of our core values. We love uh, to absolutely honor, and that is one. Um, so I want to pause. I just would love for you to pause with me for a minute to honor the lives of our country's heroes. Um, heroes that we call moms and dads and uh, friends and sons and daughters and husbands and wives, those who gave all to protect our freedom that we have today. You and I have the ability to, to congregate and come together corporately right here in this building because of men and women who gave it all. They gave their lives on the line that was willing to give, give it all. And we honor all those who have who have, who have served, those who are serving our country at this time, but today we remember those who never made it home. So I want you to, I want you to pause just for a moment. We honor those who are serving. We honor those who have served, but we honor those who never made it home and the lives that never perhaps got to be fulfilled. And so I want you to watch this video this morning. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Bigman, Dear Mrs. Cushman, We regret to inform you that your husband has been killed in action. The tragic loss of your son has shocked all of us deeply. I extend my most profound sympathy to you on the recent loss of your daughter, who laid down her life on the field of battle. It is nearly impossible to find the words to say to the parents of one who has been killed in war. Some measure of comfort may be derived from the knowledge that he died in the service of his country and in the defense of a peace-loving people. Her enthusiasm and discipline marked her as an outstanding soldier, and as such, she commanded the respect of the officers and fellow soldiers of this unit. I am confident that his devotion to duty at the cost of all hell dear will hasten the day when ruthless aggression shall disappear from the face of the earth. I am proud to have served with him. Our faith enables us to withstand the shock and grief of death. It is my earnest prayer that Almighty God will sustain and strengthen you in this hour of trial. While the loss of your beloved one will be a hardship, we know that no life is truly lost for those who have faith in God. To all of you who have received these letters of condolence, and to all the brave men and women who gave their lives in defense of freedom, we remember you and honor you today. As you're sitting there, will you bow your heads in a word of just a pause, just a moment of honoring today? Father, we thank you so much for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Today, Father, we pause in silence to remember the lives of those who gave all. All gave some, some gave all. So remember those lives who never made it home. 
those lives who never became dads, lives that never became moms. Father, we just honor them today. We honor the parents who received those letters. We remember them. God, they didn't die in vain. Our freedom, we still respect that. And so, Father, we thank you today for the lives who gave us and continue to give us freedom today. We ask that your strength and your peace will be upon those families. And for those of us of this in this room and those who are watching who has lost a loved one who may have received those letters, I pray, Lord, that you give them peace today. Great joy and great respect for those lives. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I also want to stop, and, and before we get to um, too deep into our finishing our series, and some of you are like, so excited to finish our mission series. I do want to pray uh, once more. I wanted to honor our uh, veterans who have lost their lives, but I also want to honor, um, and most of you have seen the news and, and uh, the tragedy that happened in Texas. We have a lot of educators in this room, and I know that has to be a nightmare. I know how that to be the worst dream of your life to have something like that happen in your room or in your classroom or perhaps in your school. And I know as parents for you and I today, um, in a world that's so wicked, so the hearts of men are so evil. It reminds me of Noah, right? The Bible tells us in Noah's days, their hearts were evil continuously. And I look at our world today and I'm like, wow, we are so close to Noah's age. The hearts of men are evil continuous. You say, well, pastor, how do you know that? How, do you, how can you see someone's heart? I can see the action. And all of our actions are coming from our heart. And I'm like, man, this world is so evil. And so I would love just to not just pause, but I would love for us as parents and as for us as, as members of just the body of Christ to lift up these families, um, to lift up the school system, the administration. I can't imagine, Brandy, what that would be like as an administrator. I can't imagine what that would be like as a teacher or a mom or dad that got the news or watched that online or watched that coming across my phone and then all of a sudden just knowing that my child was in that room. This has to be, it is a horrible and a tragic scene that happened there. And so I would love to, for us to honor that and for the pray for peace and strength upon that community and upon those families. Will you join me in prayer one more time? Father, we thank you once again for your love and your mercy and your grace. And Father, those three things are what's needed right now in our country. Your mercy, your grace, and your love. And I pray, Father, that people would actually accept those three. And I pray, Lord, that um, for the families that have been affected, the community, the school, the um, the police that were there, the firefighters, those who were involved, the whole situation, God, we ask for your peace, your strength, and your comfort. There's no answer to the why. There's no answer to the madness. And there's no easy fix. Father, I know, I know that we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but we are fighting against principalities of this darkness. God, we are fighting evil. And so, Father, I know that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So, Father, I know the answer is your son, Jesus. And so, Father, I pray. I pray, Lord, for protection upon the hearts and the minds of those who lost loved ones and children. God, that they don't blame you and don't run away from you. But, God, that in this moment they will run to you. Father, I thank you. We honor those lives today. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to, um, there's a lot going on this morning. Actually, I've just been in, in tears. Uh, just a few minutes ago, I, I was standing in the back of the hallway. I was actually talking to somebody, and I was looking toward the doors. And if you know me, if you've talked to me, you know that I have a lot of squirrels that I, that I chase. Man, I am, you can be in a great conversation with me, and then all of a sudden, someone will catch my eye, and I'll go like this, and I'll just turn. It's called a squirrel. I am, I'm a squirrel chaser. I'm sorry. Uh, and I was talking to somebody, and all of a sudden, in the corner of my eye, I saw a friend walk through the doors. Friends walk through the door that I had the opportunity uh, to be a part of their life, and they had to be an uh, opportunity to be a part of my life and, and as I had the opportunity to pastor in Moore, Oklahoma. And um, I won't share, I just want to share just a, a, a little bit of his story. 
um, only because I'm so glad that God gave me an opportunity to be a part of his life and to watch the miracle and the miracle working power of God. And so there might be someone in this room that might be facing some kind of physical element. Maybe it is cancer. That's what happened to this gentleman that's in here today. Um, I'll never forget the first four and a half years ago, I stood behind a pulpit. It was my very first sermon and I got a text that morning that said, hey, listen, David Flowers is in the ER um, and I think it may be his gallbladder. They had scheduled for that, um, but he's in the ER. And I remember going and visiting with him in the ER and finding out that it wasn't his gallbladder, although he was going to get it taken out, it was cancer. And I never, never forget the, the devastating look, but the response that I made to him that he made to me. Together in that room, we agreed that no matter what, we'll let the doctors do what the doctors do, but we'll let God do what God does. And I remember the faith that was between him and I in that moment. It says, you know what? We believe in doctors, and, and God gave doctors wisdom and knowledge and medicine, and, and that's great, but we're going to let the doctors do what the doctors do, but we're going to let God do what he does. And I'll never forget God healing him through his first battle of cancer. Oh, man, it was such, it was a year-long battle, and I'll never forget God healing him through all the treatments. And then, then all of a sudden, there was a year of, 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 um, uh, of being cleared from cancer. And then all of a sudden, he gets news, he has cancer again. But the, what was amazing about this was that he said, God healed me of that cancer. It wasn't that cancer that came back. It was another cancer. And he got, gave God another opportunity to heal me again. And God did. I mean, the doctor was like, I, there's no way um, to do this. And he was able to find proton therapy. And proton therapy, I mean, killed it. Great. And we were giving God all the glory because God, doctors did what doctors do. And God does what he does. And then months later, six months, eight months later, he gets another diagnosis, the third time, cancer again. It was a different cancer. This time the doctor says there's no way proton therapy is not going to work. You have to go through chemo and radiation. That almost killed him the first time. And he begged them, please, I can't do it. And they said the only way you're going to live is to go through chemo. He went through chemo three weeks. Is that right? Two weeks? Four weeks. Four weeks of chemo. I walked into his living room where he laid asleep the whole time. He was dead there. No life in his body. And he finally told the doctors, he says, you know what? I'm done with chemo because it's not doing anything to me besides killing me. Doctors gave him two weeks, 30 days to live. And we are a year and a half away. <laughs> So I don't know what you're going through, <laughs> but God healed him. <laughs> Chemo didn't do it this time. God moved. He said, God, he, his family was mad at him. <laughs> he said, you're not going to do chemo? I'm not doing chemo. It was killing me, and God healed him. So I want to encourage someone today. My friend David truly believed that God, doctors will do what doctors, doctors do, but God can do and will do the impossible when the doctors can't do it. Amen. Will you give the Lord another hand clap of praise this morning? All right, all right. David, thank you so much. Connie, thank you guys so much for coming all the way. Now, listen, I just threw that out there so those other guys know that you're here. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Um, I'm so excited. I want to finish up this series real quickly. Missions. Uh, the first part, we just talked about missions. One, being understanding the heart of the Father. And we said the heart of the Father is always and has always been to have fellowship and relationship with you and I. It was always about redeeming Man, that was what it's about. That's our mission. Even still today, as you and I are going out proclaiming the Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is to redeem men. It's to give them the opportunity to de redeem men. The mission that Christ had and the mission is the same mission that was transferred to you and I this morning. Um, and that is to make Christ known and that man can be redeemed. Point number one was this. God's heart, understanding the heart of uh, the Father was one that God was compassionate. He was patient and he was relentless. The next week we talked about understanding the mission. And we said that understanding the mission was the fact that God wanted his house to be filled. And we talked about the story of the dinner. And, uh, and we simply said that 
there's still room and his house must be filled. I made a statement that I still stand by today and that is that I dare not, I will not, and I cannot let our community continue to run in the direction of hell. I really believe that we have to step up and say, you know what, there's something that has to be done and we must be a part of the mission and we must proclaim the gospel. And the reason why is just simply the Father's house must be filled. Um, last week we talked about something that I think was very difficult. Actually, Wednesday I had a really encouraging moment with a gentleman that came to me and he said, I want to talk to you because um, I want you to know I've never been in a service in which a pastor got up and he tackled barriers in which the way you did. And he said, and I want you to know I've, I grew up Baptist all my life and I've never seen anyone handle it like that. And I have to believe that there are barriers that has really, really hindered us from getting the gospel to everyone. And so we tackled understanding barriers. And the, the first barrier was tradition. And I believe that there are still lots of tradition that you and I are battling today. Tradition that gets in the way of getting the gospel to people. Because the lost are still confused. They don't understand your tradition versus anybody else's tradition. So tradition can get in the way. Good or bad, tradition is a barrier. Barrier number two was denominations. We said that denominations are good, and we love denominations. It is a covering for, for ministers and pastors, and we, we appreciate that. But there's something that has divided the big capital C church. Uh, we should never let denomination divide us. We should always be together. It doesn't matter if you're Baptist or Pentecostal, or if you're Methodist or Presbyterian. There should be a common thing that keeps us all tied together, and that is Jesus Christ. That is the thing that unites us all. Um, and we should not let that be the thing that divides us. And, uh, and so we should not let that be a barrier. And the third one that we talked about was self-righteousness. And my goodness, did that not hit all of us? Because I think all of us could be a little bit self-righteous if we're not careful. We can allow ourselves to rise up a little bit and say, man, I've been saved for 30 years, and I'm much, much, much better than you. And if you'll just simply get saved, everything will be changed. And you shouldn't be doing that, and you should be doing this. And we should be, and we find ourselves getting ourselves so self-righteous. When the Bible tells us that we also seek Ye first the kingdom of God in what? His righteousness. Not yours, not mine, but God's righteousness. And I believe that will change everything. Today I want to talk about this. I want to be looking at an aspect of missions, and it is simply to understand who we support. I told you it was exciting for me to be able to tell you that we as a church will be supporting world missions as well as home missions. Um, I've said it from day one of this series that my heart is always it beats for home missions, and we are excited that uh, Dindy and Brandy is leading up our home missions, and, and we're still trying to define that and figure out how that's going to flow, and we're excited to see our church continue to pursue home missions in our community. And I got to tell you today, there are so much that God has for us. And I want you to turn your Bibles. If you have your Bibles uh, from your phone to your tablet, perhaps your hard copy, I want you to go to Acts chapter 16. There's a story here. Before we get into all of those people that we are going to support and, and how we're going to support them, um, I want to share a story with you. I think that every day you and I are a part of the mission. Would you agree with me? God has given you and I opportunities to witness, to share the gospel um, that are divine. And when I mean by divine, it is a God appointment time. And we have to be so sensitive to those moments. It's kind of like Jesus when his disciples are traveling from town to town. And all of a sudden he stops and he looks at his disciples and he says, Hey guys, I must go through Samaria. What he was saying is there's a moment, there's a God divine moment that I must stop, take a moment with a person who really needs me. And I think you and I in this room, we have God moments like that, and that if we will be sensitive, we will find ourselves stopping and pausing and saying, this is the moment that I have to take advantage of. There's somebody that needs me right here in this particular situation of their life. They need me. And then there's moments where all of a sudden we realize, ah, I don't need to be a part of that. Not right now. Not in my growth. Not in my walk with Christ at this point. It's not going to be good for me to be involved in that or to go there because it's going to do just harm for me. It's been too early. And we'll talk about that. Here we go. Um, Acts chapter 16. We're going to look at verse 1. I'm going to wet my whistle because there's some really tough words to be said. <laughs> And I'm not very good anyway, so this could be interesting. I practice. Jenna, I know that you always are interested in how I'm going to say words because you're trying to figure out how you would say it. And so I practice all night trying to figure out how to say these words. So here we go. Paul came, uh, Paul came also to Derby, <laughs> Yes. And to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy. I can say Timothy. All right. So that was good. 
Thank you for those mamas and dads that gives regular names. Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered, the, delivered to them for observation or decisions that had been reached by the, the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So that the churches were strengthened in faith and, and, and they increased in number daily. And listen to this. And they went through the region of, oh wow, I remember in this one, Phrygia. No, that's not it. And Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came up to um, Mysia, uh, they attempted to go into Bithynia. Oh, my goodness. Bithynia. Um, but the Spirit of Jesus laughed. But you're not up here, all right? But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And so passing by Mysia, they went down to Toros. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought out to go into Macedonia, including that God, listen to this, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so setting sail to Toraz, um, Toraz uh, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, um, and following the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, uh, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia in the Roman colony. We remained in the city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we're supposed to, supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the woman who had came together. And one heard us was a woman named Lydia. Um, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, wow, thank God for that, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed among us, um, prevailed among us. I want to I take you, your attention real quickly to two scriptures that really has just bothered me. That's not the right word. It has grabbed my attention, has not let me go. And that is verse 6 and verse 7, where Paul is on a journey. And I need you to understand something. This journey is to get the mission across. Paul has been powerfully preaching the gospel of Jesus and the church has numbered, has grown daily and we find that he comes to a moment in this journey where he wants to go into a town but the Bible says that the spirit of God would not allow him to go into the town. I want you to look at verse 6. Verse 6 says this. It says, And when they went to the region of Phrygia and the Galatia, um, having been forbidden, listen, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit, not to speak the word, the gospel, the mission into Asia. They had to go to another direction, a, another region. Even though perhaps in their heart they felt like they needed to go into Asia, the Holy Spirit did not allow them to go to Asia, even though that the mission is to redeem men. Isn't it amazing that you, to, you and I today can get so gun-ho and we want to go everywhere to preach the gospel, but sometimes the Holy Spirit says, nah, it's not time yet. There are some of you that has given up the bar scene. You're like, I'm not going back to the bar ever again. That's awesome. And I congratulate you. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to put myself in that position. I don't feel comfortable and I don't feel like that's what God wants me to do. So I would say that going and witnessing to someone in the bar would not be a good place for you. I think that the, bar, I think that the Holy Spirit would say, mm, no, it's not time for you to go. Maybe five years down the road, maybe 10 years down the road where your spirit is strengthened and you are more confident and you, are, you understand the word more better, maybe that would be the time that you would go. 
But it was that moment. So, nope, it's not time. So I want you to understand today, as Paul was so excited about getting the gospel out, there was a moment where he could not go because the Holy Spirit said no. And the verse 7 goes like this, the same thing. And when they came up to um, Messiah, uh, they attempted to go into Bithynia, uh, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Same thing. Can you imagine today what it would look like if you and I would lean a little bit more on the Holy Spirit to, to guide us and direct us? I think what we're seeing in this moment in this story is that the Holy Spirit is actually acting as the guide as he's supposed to. Paul's allowing him to be the guide. You and I struggle with that. We struggle with allowing the Holy Spirit to be our guide. I mean, if we would just stop and say, you know what, God, this is not my life. My life has been given by you. And so if you will guide me and direct me, God, life would be much better. I will find my, myself actually in the places that you want me to be in instead of the places that I don't need to be in. Where your gospel would actually be accepted. It's the right timing. I don't, I don't know about you, but I believe, in, I believe in the timing of God. I believe there's an order. I believe there's just divine moments that God set up. And if we will just listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us, because I believe he speaks to us. He's our guide. He's our director. He's our comforter. Um, he's our teacher. And if we allow him to speak to us, because the footsteps of, the, of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. That's his Holy Spirit ordering you. I think we'll find ourselves being a part of the mission more effectively. Amen. I, I find that here in Paul, Paul finds himself having a dream. He wasn't able to go into um, Asia. He wasn't able to go into another country. All of a sudden, he has a dream, and God speaks to him in this dream. I, again, will believe it's the Holy Spirit speaking to him. And he sees a man from Macedonia, and he's asking for help. And in this dream, we find that Paul is truly... Um, not beside himself, but he is drawn to go and help. He feels, and in the, in the, in the scripture tells us in the story that they concluded it was God sending them to Macedonia. It was in that moment that he yielded to the Spirit of God to direct him, and he said, I couldn't go here, I couldn't go here, but this is where God wants me to be. This is the God time. This is the God moment. This is where he wants me to be. It's his perfect will for my life right here. And we find that when he finds himself in Macedonia, he sets sail, he gets himself to Macedonia, and he, you're right, he encounters a woman by the name of Lydia. And in that encounter changed her whole family's life. Could you imagine just for a moment that the people that you encounter, right when God wants you to encounter because you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that the fact that you have the impact to change their whole life with the mission that God has given you because you were sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I, I encourage you to slow down. I encourage you this morning to have a true relationship with God that the Holy Spirit is available to speak to you. He's able to speak to you because you've slowed down. And you said, God, please lead me into every area that will be able to make your gospel known. And it will make the best impact upon this area. Either it be Jerusalem, Samaria, Judah, or other parts of this world. God, let us be a part of the mission because your spirit is leading us into those fields that are right and ready. Every day, you're on a mission. Every day, your life, I, I've said this so many times, you've heard preachers say it all the time, your life will be the only Bible that someone will ever read. Your life, the choice that you make, the things that you say, the life that you live will be the only Bible that some people will ever read. And my question, is it worth reading? Does it match up to the Bible in which you're reading? Your life, because it's important. I have to share with you this morning, every day, you are part of a mission so that you can share Jesus with someone to experience redemption because that's the plan, right? That's the mission this morning. And so being sensitive to the Holy Spirit will assure you that you're at the right spot at the right time. 
being sensitive to the Holy Spirit will assure you this morning that you will be at the right spot at the right time to share Jesus with the person that God wants you to share Jesus with. Man, let us be very sensitive to that. And so I want to share with you, we have three, three, we have three things this morning that we believe that we have been very sensitive to the Holy Spirit to, to guide us and direct us in the area that we want to support. Now, please, I told you that we will support foreign mission, and the very first missionary that you will see is a foreign missionary. His name is Samuel K. Thomas. Um, I'm connected with this guy through um, the organization that I was a part of for, for many, many, many years. He is genuine. I have been a part of a lot of different missionaries, a lot of different ministers, and I could tell you that I've walked away going, man, there's just something um, about that guy that doesn't click for me. It doesn't work for me. It may work for somebody else. It doesn't work for me. But this man's spirit is amazing. And a very gentle, humble spirit. And, and what he is doing for the Lord there in India is absolutely amazing. And he will be one that we will be supporting throughout each, each month. Samuel had been, he's been in India since 1990, all right? And for some of you that's in the room, you're like, that was way before I was born. Um, but 1990, he's been in India He's uh, been working with the Pentecostal Church of God organization since then, and um, he had 130 churches. When he took over, his 130 churches, and those, thing, those churches have doubled since he's been on the mission field. He's, he has two orphanages that he oversees, and he also has one free medical assistance um, area that they, uh, that they can come to. Isn't that cool? Um, what he has been able to do with the finances that people have supported him with in the mission field. India, listen, you know, you might not, you may know this, you guys out there. India is the second largest country when it comes to population. They have 1.41 billion people living in that country. Can you imagine that? Let's compare that to the USA. USA, all right? We have 329 million people. In the United States of America, we have 329 million people. But in, in India, South Asia, we have 1.4 billion people located there. We told you last week that there was a lot of barriers in these foreign, uh, foreign lands for our missionaries. Uh, being terrain and mountains and, and economics and education. All these things are barriers. And, and Samuel Thomas has perhaps faced those. He has faced many obstacles of getting the gospel out to these areas. And we are thankful for what he is, he is doing. Did you know that 79% of the population there in India um, practices uh, Hinduism? Hindu. 79%. You want to talk about a barrier. Think about this. Think about the wickedness that Samuel K. Uh, Thomas and all of those missionaries that are out there. He's not the only missionary to India. Please understand that. There's a lot of missionaries to India. But he's facing all of this evil all the time. 79%. And it's really interesting. When I was looking at this up and studying this, I realized that India was very much like America. We're a melting pot when it comes to religion in America. We are. There's so many different religions in America that all of a sudden you have our new generation of students growing up. They believe a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a little bit of this, and a little bit of from every different religion. You see, and you get off to college and think about what happens when they get back. They're confused. And they're finding themselves getting a little bit of this religion, a little bit of that religion, and they're trying to melt that together and form another religion. And in India, that's what happens. In that 79% of those who practice Hinduism, there is about 40% of them that also practice Buddhists. They have a little bit of Buddhism of their, when it comes to their beliefs. They also have a little Islam when it comes to that, in that 40%. It's a mixture, but they majorly practice Hinduism. 14% of that population is Islam. 2.3% is Christianity. Think about that just for a moment. For us who are here in America, and we are sending money over to this foreign field for Samuel to be a part of the mission to spread the gospel, and there's only 2.3% that are Christian. What an open field there is. The field, in my opinion, is white and ready in India. 0.7% is 
people who practice Buddhism. And that is one field that we are, we're going to be supporting. Samuel K. Thomas is a missionary that we will be supporting. And you would probably say, well, pastor, how does that look? Well, right now, I'll tell you how that looks. Uh, we sat down as a, a pastoral leadership team, or as a leadership team, and uh, we discussed as looking at our finances that right now, um, every missionary that we support will only support $50 a month. But that's where you come in. Because when you help us by giving into the mission field fund, um, when you go online or if you give in person, when you go to um, the mission and you give toward missions, every dollar goes to the mission field. So you need to know that. It doesn't go into uh, pastor's account for vacation or anything like that. Uh, it absolutely goes every cent, every dollar goes into the mission field. And hopefully in a month or two we can say, hey, listen, we got a lot of money coming into missions. We can up this. We could do more than $50. We could do $100. We could do $150. Or maybe at the end of the year, we take all the money that has been given to missions and we do a special project into that mission field. Split it up and send it. Here's a second other um, mission that we will be supporting. And it's right here in Tecumseh. It's called Mission Tecumseh. You may not know this, but I want to give you some information about Mission Tecumseh. And some of you are like, we have a Mission Tecumseh? What is that? Well, let me explain. I'm glad that you asked. Mission Tecumseh is another mission locally. I told you that I'm a home mission guy. We will give foreign, but there's a lot of things that was going to happen within our community that we're going to give to. And Mission Tecumseh is one of those. Um, there was this small group of powerful ladies that got together to do Bible study at the Methodist Church. And they got together and they were reading this book, and they found out that there was actually students who would come home um, in the summer after school would be dismissed, and they would go hunger. They would go hungry. And that there was actually a crisis, an issue in America among students who came home for the summer and didn't have anything to eat. And these little group of older ladies got together and said, we have to be the answer to this problem. We have to somehow fix this in our community in Tecumseh. Knowing that they were limited because of their age, limited because of their numbers, they reached out to the Minister Alliance. And I had the opportunity to be a part of that Minister Alliance as the president. And I'll never forget them sitting around our table and we were just talking. And they would cry because their heart was broken about our students going hungry in the summer. They couldn't imagine it. How could someone's child go hungry? How could there not be enough food in Tecumseh, Oklahoma? And so, mission Tecumseh was birth. And so the Minister Alliance and all the churches got together and they said, you know what, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to take a week and we're going to, three days a week, feed our kids in these different areas. And they had divided our community up in three different spots to be able to feed our students. Well, that was in 2009, 2010. It is 2022 and the program is still going. And it is led by our president, Brandy Burks. She is in our own church. That's not the reason why we're giving to that. We're giving because of the mission that there is. There is a need. And we have the opportunity to give into a mission that's actually providing an answer to a need that our community has. And what a great opportunity that we have. And we as a church will be participating in that. Uh, we will take one week. We'll be feeding the kids. Um, we will be coming to you for help um, because we have three different locations that we will have to go to. And so that's going to take quite a few people that we go and we feed. We have activities with them. We share the gospel. We give them the opportunity to be introduced to Jesus that changes their life forever. And they don't always have to be in that predicament. I am uh, a product of that. I am an example of that. I was one of those students. And, um, and God has blessed me throughout all these years. And I'm thankful today that I'm not going hungry. You could tell that, all right? Even though the summer's yet, I'm still eating quite, quite well. But Mission Tecumseh, what a great opportunity. It, they do more than just feed, though. Some of you may know that at the beginning of the year, at the end of July, they have on the last Saturday of July, uh, I'm looking at Brandy, making sure I'm getting my, my, my stuff correct. At the end of July, last Saturday of July, they have a big back-to-school bash, and they give away all of their um, school
school supplies. Man, I knew it. They're right there. Back to school blast. That's, a, that's the reason why there's school supplies there. All the school supplies. There's so much that goes on. There is so much that they so desire to do. But finances is always something that is needed. And so here we are as an opportunity for us as a church to say, you know what? We will get right involved, right in our community, and give to that as well. Here's the last one today. Tecumseh Minister Alliance. You've noticed, and this list will continue. So please understand, we as a, as a leadership team looked and said, what can we do right now financially? And we felt that we could support $150 monthly to missionaries. So we divided that up by three. And we said we can give 50 to Samuel, 50 to um, the Minister Alliance, 50 to Mission Tecumseh. And I believe that we would be able to make this list longer of the people that we support because of the support that you will give to the heart of the Father. That's to get the mission out there. And so we are excited about you partnering with us as we partner with these groups of people who are doing something. Minister Alliance. Did you know uh, Minister Alliance is made up of our pastors of our churches all across Tecumseh. There are quite a few. I have been, I have been in Moore, Oklahoma. There was a Minister Alliance prior to me getting there. When I got there, there was no Minister Alliance. No one got together. Life got so busy that pastors did not get together to just sharp, iron sharpen iron, to, to support each other, to support each other's efforts. To say, hey, listen, we are part of the big C, the big church. It's not me against you or you against me. And I have to tell you, Tecumseh has a very unique situation. We have great pastors. We have great churches that get involved. And I have to tell you, I am so excited as, excuse me, being involved in the Minister Alliance. And that is something that we will give to. You say, well, pastor, what does that look like? I'll tell you what that looks like. Uh, Minister Alliance provides a few things. They provide lodging for someone that is traveling into Tecumseh or through Tecumseh, need a place to stay. They can go to one of our churches and our churches can put them up. And it comes through the finances of the Minister Alliance. And sometimes it's a day. Sometimes it's a mother trying, or a, a woman trying to get away from a, from a husband. Um, there's been those situations before. And um, there's been those who were homeless and just needed a place to stay just to get off their feet until they could find a place. That, there's been situations like that. And the Minister Alliance has been able to be there. Uh, they give gas for those who are traveling through as well. Maybe they're trying to get to a doctor's appointment. Maybe they're trying to get somewhere, and it's legitimate, and they really need help. Uh, the Minister Alliance gives them gas money uh, to get to where they need to be. Um, and some of you are like, I didn't even know that our Minister Alliance did that. Absolutely. They also provide food. Uh, the Tecumseh uh, First Baptist, they house um, the food pantry for us, for the Minister Alliance. And so we will uh, eventually, uh, we'll be having food drives that we will actually bring food together, not to have here, but to take to the First Baptist. Why? Because it's about the big C. It's about the big church. We don't need to have a food closet when they have a food closet. Let's help them. And that's what it's all about. And so we're excited about being a part of the Minister Alliance and supporting them financially as well. They provide, and maybe you know this, they organize the post rally for See at the Pole. Um, Minister Alliance does. Uh, they, they organize that. They pay for everything, the speaker, the, the band, all that is paid through by the Minister Alliance. They organize and pay for baccalaureate for our graduating seniors. Uh, the Minister Alliance takes care of that. They also provide a $500 scholarship uh, to an outstanding Christian leader in our school. It's called the Tiffany Fowler Tiffin Outstanding Christ Christian Leadership Award. And they give a $500 scholarship. And what was amazing, when this award first came out, um, I had to go around and ask for donations from businesses to actually make that happen. And now there's money in their account to actually do that because of churches given uh, to their efforts. And so thank you. Um, they also organize Thanksgiving, the big Thanksgiving dinner for our community. And it's something that the Minister Alliance organizes. And I got to tell you, it truly is one of a kind. I've, I had the opportunity to be a part of that years ago before going to more. And one of the things that was said for those who were coming into the community, they said, listen, we've been in Tulsa. Uh, we've been in the city. We've been in all these other small towns. But there was something about this Minister Alliance that is just amazing because the pastors really do support each other. And, and that's what I'm so thankful for, is that we do live in a town where there are pastors who support each other and support the effort of the church, the big C church. And that is one thing. I'm going to give you one few things real quickly. And maybe you already know this about your town. I'm looking around and most of you live in Tecumseh. This is your town. 
This is your hometown. Did you know that there are 6,721 people in your town? That's our population today. 6,721 people. I don't know why they didn't round it down to 620, but 6721 is what we have. Every person count. But that's how many people, that's our population today in 2022 in Tecumseh. I was doing some math, and, and listen, I, I may got this incorrect. I really rounded up thinking about all the churches that we have in our community. Did you know that perhaps, this is just perhaps, that the churches in Tecumseh are only reaching 23% of the people. Our Sunday attendance in all of our churches, we're only reaching 23%. Can you, that's 77% still out there. You and I are called to be a part of the mission. And our heart is beaten for Tecumseh. You know that. This is when we call ourselves home. This is home. We, we came home. And we are all about building relationships and continuing relationships in our hometown and reaching our community. I told you, I cannot, I will not, I dare not stand by any longer and watch my community run in the direction of hell. It is our goal to get involved. It's in our goal to help change that number. 23%, only 23% attend church somewhere in our community. Did you know, think about this, there are 4,893 adults in our community. 4,893 adults. Now, I'm assuming that's from 18 and up. 4,893 adults. 1,204 of them being seniors. That number really threw me. I really thought our community was heavy on the seniors and not really heavy on the young adults. But by those numbers, the, the average age in Tecumseh, you ready for this? The average age is 36. I am 44 years old, and I'm like blown away that the average age is 36. And you're like, Pastor, what's the, all these numbers mean? I'll tell you what the numbers mean. It means that the way we've done ministry for all these years has to change. It has to change. The average age is 36. God, help us to reach the younger generation. God, help us to be a church that will take away the barriers of tradition, of denomination, of self-righteousness, put ourselves aside to reach the generation. 36 years old is the average age of the person in, in Tecumseh, Oklahoma. The average 36-year-old man comes home and play video games. That's not me. That's just weird, all right? Some of, you, some of the guys are laughing like, I do that. I play video games. Okay, that's, what, that's fine. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. So there's, there's a little change going on here. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, men, for those who go home and play video games. I'm just saying. But it does. It, it, it's, ministry has changed. I want you to look in your seat when you got here. There was a card. You may have moved it. You may have put it on the floor. You may have put it in your purse. Um, but this card simply says, on the front, it says missions. And it, it kind of stands for our series that we have been in. On the back of it, it gives you the three missionaries or group of people that we'll be supporting monthly. And it also gives you the opportunity to pray for these three entities every day. I want you to put it on your refrigerator. I want you to put it in your Bible. If you read your Bible daily, put it in your Bible. If you don't read your Bible daily, put it somewhere where you see it, all right, um, daily. And so that way you, you will pray, listen, that you will pray for these three entities. It is Samuel. It is Minister Alliance. It is Mission Tecumseh. There's a line. You may be able to see that. You may, may not be able to see it. It's in the heartbeat area. There's a line. I would love for you to do something for you. Every one of us is on a mission. And maybe you have a loved one that you have been trying to reach out. There's someone in your community. Maybe it's a group of people. And I would love for you to write that on that line for you. Not for us. You're not going to turn this in. This is not homework. This is for you. So that way you can say, I am on a mission. And my mission is that person right there as well. 
I'm going to pray for Samuel K. Thomas and the, all the challenges and the barriers that he has in India. I'm going to pray for the Minister Alliance and all the barriers and, and all the things that they have as pastors when they come together. And I'm going to pray for Mission Tecumseh and all the things that they are doing. But I'm going to pray for so-and-so as well. I'm going to pray for them because that's my mission is to redeem men. That's your mission. You and I today are on a mission, just like Christ. He transferred it to you and I. And that is to present the gospel of Jesus Christ so that man can be redeemed to relationship with God. Amen. Will you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? I'm going to ask Pastor Kelly to come this morning. Every, the first Sunday of every month, we will emphasize missions. And so you will... Be encouraged uh, to give every month to missions. And uh, we, we ask that you make that personal pledge. It's not something you have to pledge to the church. It's just that, that commitment that you sit down with your husband or your wife and you simply say, hey, listen, I feel that God is directing us to give such an amount to the effort of reaching missions, of redeeming man. And I don't want you to make it difficult on yourself. Please You'll know that I'm not about money. Never been, never will be. But the church can only function with money. Mission can only be given or fulfilled with money. Just the way it is. That's life. You keep the lights on in your house because of money. Because of the job that you have, you're able to keep the lights on. We're able to lease this building and keep the air going and lights on. and Keep everything that we're doing mission-wise. Our students is not listed up there as a mission, but they are our mission. <laughs> we will spend our majority of our money on our kids. We will spend the majority of our money on our community because we love our community and we reach out to them. Why? Because there's a mission that has been given to you and I, and that is to be able to give the gospel to them to be redeemed in Jesus' name. Would you stand this morning? Jerry in my journey like Paul to all of these areas you see all Paul was doing is fulfilling the great commission the mission that God had given him to go into all the world when, when God when Jesus was talking to his disciples in the last words he said listen I want you to go into Jerusalem and Samaria and Judah and I want you to go into the other parts of the world gave them the mission and as Paul was doing that as he was going about his business and his journey the Holy Spirit guided him and directed him and I'm going to encourage you today because I don't know where you're at and maybe the Spirit of God has been directing you speaking to you perhaps not not to go but to go and you haven't listened maybe the Spirit of God has actually been telling you a certain person to witness to and you just feel like you don't have the words and you're like Today's that day that we encourage you to go and say, go speak, go speak Jesus. You don't have to have, listen, obviously I'm not very eloquent up here. All you got to do is speak Jesus. And so I challenge you to listen to the Holy Spirit this week. I challenge you to let him guide you and direct you and comfort you and give you peace. This week. Thank you so Will much you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more messages or find a service time, you can visit us at our website, homechurchtecumsa.com, for more information. And thank you again. And until next time, love God, do good, and be a friend. Be blessed.